Episode number 13 of Wedding Photographers Unite. My name is Andy Buscemi. My name is Neil Irvin. And we are a bi-monthly wedding photography podcast. A wedding photography podcast for wedding photographers. By wedding photographers. Thank you, Mr. Irvin. What's uh, up, man? Um, not much. How are you doing? What's going on? I'm doing What's good. New? I'm doing good, man. Just editing, working away, just nonstop editing, pretty much. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's all I have to share for... That's all I've been doing for the past two weeks. I'm, okay. I'm, I needed to come here and record this podcast because I need to get away from my computer because mm. I've been doing so much editing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy of how it all hit at once. I think all my brides got together at once and said, hey, let's all submit our, our pictures for Neil Edit right now. Because <laughs> yes. he's got nothing else better to do. It's not mid-wedding season or anything. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> so, so it's like once all those came in, like probably within 24 hours, like three or four brides, like all submitted it at once. Yeah. You know, and actually that still reminds me that just that like you get i get those emails right where it's like like a week or two after the wedding and mm-hmm. people want like cards for thank you images and like but the, that's actually a lot harder than i than clients actually know because then right. I have, you have to go into that wedding do that and it messes up your like workflow mm-hmm. but you still got to do it anyway right you know but it's just like like uh i don't know i'm just so <laughs> overwhelmed right now with, with a lot of things that are going on but uh so yeah. so, what else has been going on with you? Uh, how are how are things going right now? Uh, uh, doing just, okay. Just doing okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my wife, she's shooting her first uh, engagement session by herself today. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little bit I'm I'm a little bit nervous. You know, I'm I'm letting her go. I'm you know it's um, <laughs> I, I was going to be there to uh, assist her. Yeah. But we've been practicing on a couple uh, past shoots, like family shoots, kind of thing. Yeah. Of I'm gonna I was kind of like okay, Danielle, you know, go ahead, take the lead, and I'll I'll assist, kind of thing. I'll, I'll kind of watch over. Mm-hmm. But as soon as as soon as we start shooting, man, I just take that lead role. Like I have no idea what happens to me <laughs> <laughs> once I get that camera in my hand and the clients are there. Like I just I just take over it's it's just kind of like in my yeah, nature it's I tough guess. i mean it's yeah, tough. It's, yeah i mean if it's in your nature to like kind of scale back and but it's just because you do what you do and yeah. you, and you can see what you can see and it's hard to not call out the things to fix and i think it's more like the more experience you have the more that you know like what works and what doesn't so if mm-hmm. you see somebody shooting in a way that you know doesn't work um it's kind of hard not to not to like fix it or help Right. But at the same time, we also have to do realize that other people have their styles. So like Danielle, yeah, exactly. Danielle's style may go a little bit different from yours, mm-hmm. and she, and so it's probably good that you're not there because then she'll, <laughs> I know you know. She'll, she'll, I mean, this is, <laughs> people hired her for a reason, yeah. and I have to I have to realize that they didn't they hired her not because of me, yeah, it's because of her. Yeah. Uh, but no, she is working with an assistant, so she does have help. So it's it's making me feel a little bit better. Uh, I just got to kind of. Um, Forget about that, and I got to worry about the podcast. <laughs> That's all we're it's, doing right now. We're just gonna we're gonna sit here and talk about wedding photography. Yes, yeah, good, yeah, good. It is. Um, what about you? What have you been up to? Uh, quite a bit. Uh, it is. Um, 
this is I'm not gonna lie. This is probably one of the most overwhelming starts of a wedding season that I've had so far. Mm-hmm. Just because I have like a lot of personal stuff going on um, that you know I'll talk about in the podcast uh, sooner uh, rather than later. But yeah. uh, mm-hmm. but I have some personal things that are going on uh, between um, family and moving. With the, the, there's there's a lot going on right now in yeah. the life of Andy Buscemi. And uh, of course, and it, it all <laughs> has to happen during wedding. Yes, season, and of course, it? It, like it it all happened like at this time that was like right at the start of wedding season and i'm just uh i'm trying to stay on top of editing and uh but and you have to like when these family events or these different family situations come up Mm -hmm. it's like you still have to be uh you know the person that they hired when you're at the wedding um even if it is something that's an unpleasant family situation or things going on so um, it's uh, it's a reality that that we all kind of have to deal with as wedding photographers when those kinds of things come up, and we make the the best of it. And as hard as it may be, sometimes put those things aside and yeah. and do our jobs. Um, exactly. So you know, I, well, I always kind of think about um, you know, sometimes I, I don't want to like say that we're like athletes or anything, but I always think of like athletes, like of uh, I, I kind of remember when. I think Michael Jordan or Tiger Woods or some amazing athlete, you know, whenever their father passed away or no, I think it was, no, it was uh, Brett Favre mm-hmm. when his father passed away. He had to play like, I think that night or yeah. the day after yep. and he like, he had the best game of his life, of, yeah. of his career. So I was kind of think about, you know, if something were to happen, you know, to my loved one, I would ha- to just take that all, all that energy and just like pour it into, yep. you know, like that wedding or something just to take mm-hmm. my mind off of it. So yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, just, uh, you know, we do what we do for a reason, you know, it, or at least we should and be passionate about what we do. And, um, that's, that's, that's an interesting. Yeah. Interesting, like, uh, like I, re- I also remember like Michael Jordan, like he was down with a flu and he hit like, it was like game five or something like that. And he just had the game of his career. Mm-hmm. So it's like, whenever I get sick or something like that, it's like, okay, I, I gotta, I gotta step up and I still have a job to do. And maybe that'll be my wedding of my career when I'm sick. So mm-hmm. I always kind of think about that, you know, not that we're like all-star athletes, but you know, yeah. we are professional photographers so yeah and uh it's it's it goes along with 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 our job so mm-hmm. so there's just a lot going on right now um you know between you know like i said just everything of course like it couldn't have happened you know all this stuff that's going on in my life right now couldn't have happened two three months ago <laughs> you know it had to happen yeah, oh, yeah yeah let's 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 everything right at the start of wedding season you know so mm-hmm. so um so yeah i mean but uh other than that it's just uh it's you know just in the middle of wedding season and trying to stay on top of editing with all of that stuff that's going on. Yeah, so, yeah. uh, all right. So we're going to get into, uh, just a little bit of, uh, of an email here that, uh, was sent to us by Scott, who was on our podcast, uh, last episode, last episode, we kind of got a little <laughs> bit heady with a lot of color <laughs> talk and hopefully, um, everybody, uh, everybody's, uh, stuck so around they and survived. And yeah, yes. I mean, I thought it was a fantastic episode. Mm-hmm. Like I think Scott, like he knows his crap, man, you know, when it comes to, to color yeah. and I picked up quite a bit, uh, just in terms of like my workflow and how I'm thinking about, um, you know, the process of color from the time that it comes out of the camera to your computer, to the time it gets sent to, to the printer mm-hmm. w- or whatever you're doing with that, that end result. Um, so I've kind of like tweaked a little bit and I'm starting to think a little bit about soft proofing when I'm doing certain things now that I otherwise wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you know, part of me, I just want to be like, 
you know, SRGB, let's go. I don't want to think about too much about this. You know, so that's why when I was questioning him on, yeah. on the, I'm like, well, my iPhone is, is just fine. You know, like if, if my iPhone's fine and that's consistent, why, why isn't everything? Um, but at the same time, I do understand. And then, you know, the other thing too is I actually did recalibrate my monitors mm-hmm. after that episode. And, and so I have, um, the way that I work is I work off of a MacBook and my MacBook is hooked up to uh, Apple Cinema Display. And I have the same Apple Cinema Display at home, so I can edit from home. I can edit from the office, and uh, you know, doing that color calibration on all of those, you know, it was crazy how far off the the laptop oh, color really? was from mm-hmm. the from the color on the Apple Cinema Display at home. And then I calibrated that, and I kind of got them the same, but they're still not like perfect. Even after hmm. calibrating, they look a little bit off. Like, Ooh. like my like the black and whites look a slightly more a yellow hue or a slightly more red hue, even though it's technically calibrated according according to like the spider, right, you know, that I'm right. using. So, Ooh, you know, it's Scott, it, what's up with that? Yeah, but but you know, <laughs> the thing is, is like I, I think in every situation, it's going to read a little bit different, and it's never going to. It's you know, it's like an imperfect thing to some extent i feel like it is it's like but but we have to try and get it towards the at least the closest it can be right yeah, but you which know, so one that, is correct and which one are you going to send to the printer that kind of thing you know it's, right right oh boy i know so scott i'm sure is listening right now okay so scott is listening and scott if you could email us in and talk about that in particular why after calibrating do my black and whites look slightly different on one monitor than the other that's the question we want to answer so so based on that actually, you know scott's gonna send you like a 2000 i know email, so, right yes i do i'm because, just kidding scott <laughs> no so he did because he responded back in with a question that you asked on the last yeah. episode mm-hmm. and he gave us um a, quite a few paragraphs and scott i brought it down to just a little bit <laughs> to, to, to help out our listeners here, but let me let me respond uh, with what Scott wrote back in with um, to Neil's question on the last episode. He wasn't totally happy with the way he answered it when he was on the show. So Scott uh, wasn't happy. Yeah, I wasn't. Oh happy, yeah, Neil Scott was fine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, so uh, basically, this is what Scott says. He said Neil asked about sending files to printers and what about the little apply color correction checkbox that some photo services offer. In the episode, I talked a little heavily on the color management that the printer has to do and didn't really answer Neil's question. So to answer this, is helpful to distinguish between color management and color correction. They're two different things. Mm. Color corrections are the edits we make to an image, curves, white balance, exposure, contrast, saturation, etc. that change the file. It's essentially post-processing, and I like the way he described that because I think that makes a lot of sense. Right. So color yep. management is how we ensure that your post-processing is reproduced to the best capability of the device. So um, so that's the distinction between color correction and color, color management. management. So color management is more like calibrating your monitor. Color correction is more like post-processing. So if the checkbox is color correction, let's continue on with what Scott responds back here. Mm-hmm. So to answer Neil's question, that color correction checkbox tells the printer that it's okay to make changes to your file, essentially post-processing, right? So this may be done by hand, by trained professionals, or on calibrated monitors, or it's done automatically, and this is, you were just asking yes. about this a second ago, yep. bring that up in a minute, or it's done automatically by a machine, almost like auto levels in Photoshop. Hmm. Mm. This method depends on the print provider. If you're not sure about your color correction skills or the accuracy of your monitor, then it may be helpful for them to make color corrections for you. So basically, if you're not sure about what you're doing, maybe you want to check that box, I think is what he's saying. Right. Uh, the downside is that you don't know what you're going to get out of the process. So you can check that box. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> exactly. Surprise for Darvery. <laughs> 
<laughs> everything's totally yellow. You know, you know, like yeah. But okay. So um, now then he goes on with. We're almost done here. So mm-hmm. then he goes on. Now even if you tell them not to touch your file, color management still has to happen, and this Ooh. will almost always change your color in some way. Printers all have different abilities, and the print processor print. Excuse me, and the print process can make color appearance shift. The good news is that you can preview this change before you send the file to the printer with soft proofing, kind of like what we got into right. before. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so basically color management, different than color correction. I just, mm-hmm. We just kind of went through and talked that. But your question in particular that you were asking, and I think the main reason you asked that question that you just told me about yeah. was... Well, whenever I do my colors to my images, I always kind of click on see what Photoshop thinks of it. So I always like hit the auto tonal, auto tone, <laughs> auto contrast, that kind of stuff, yeah. just to see like what Photoshop thinks and what where I'm going. Right. And man, it always like it doesn't look good. Oh my gosh! No, it looks horrible. horrible. Yeah, and so that's why I'm wondering if the, if that's what these printers are doing. If they're just hitting those two buttons or yeah. three buttons, and then bam. There so you, I think most reputable print. places are not. So like a I White hope, House, yeah. White House custom color is like going to have a dude that like is kind of like Scott, right? Right. That's right. like kind of like oh, let me you know be a real nerd about making sure this <laughs> this monitor is perfectly calibrated and perfect, and then he's going to do his thing yeah. that, that that he thinks looks good within that. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, but you still never know, and I think that's yeah. the point that that yeah. that he's getting at there. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I guess uh, I guess that's our follow up for on, on that. Any other thoughts before we go on? No, no. One thing that uh, kind of concerns me is that like those photographers who have those like really washed out images, like the the matted kind of like that new style of the matte. Yeah, kind of yeah. Bring in, bring the blacks I mean, up. Yeah, I know. I, I'm kind of wondering about them if if they have issues. I don't know if if you're a listener listener of ours. Um, you know, if you're listening, if if that's your style, you know, when you print, are is your printer kind of like bumping up those levels a little Maybe. bit? Are you losing that washed yeah. out finish of what you're going for? Maybe that's why I always you know, I never trust that. I always leave it unchecked. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I, I, I want to work on it. Yeah, sure. No, but I mean, I want to work on a, a monitor. And you know, it's so funny because like when I first got started, actually, well, two things. The first of which is what did i want to touch on oh just the auto photoshop thing um the auto photoshop thing i think what that's doing scott i'm sure is still listening so scott will let us know but i think what that's doing is it's looking at like the histogram and it's like trying to even things out and it really has no idea what the subject actually is Mm -hmm. so normally if you want the subject to be the brightest thing in the image um you know it's 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 not sure what the hell it's doing you know it's just Mm -hmm. computer saying hey how can i level this out and have things look pretty even and and look like it might be white balance if it's if it picks up on skin tones of a face yeah and it it probably just fails half of the time you know Um, i would hope so because it always changes my images like hardcore yeah i I always click on it just because i I just want to see (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) and then uh there was one more point that was the opposite point that i just wanted to make uh when i first got started you know Mm -hmm. a few years ago with as far as that uh, that auto um color color correct uh function yeah, the, the button that I can't stay away oh, from. Oh, yeah. Well, exactly. But what, <laughs> Not that I use it. I just want to see what it does. Right. You know? <laughs> but actually, I'm actually talking about like when I would submit my wedding book designs. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. and I use Graphy Studio then, mm-hmm. and I still use Graphy Studio now as my main book. But um, I used Graphy Studio back then, and I would always, you know, upload the file, do all that. And then it would be, do you want to autocorrect? And I would always leave that unchecked. I'm like, I'm good. I'm happy with the way that my stuff looks, right? 
But so the problem was, is when I first got started, I was like, everything is like different. You know, I'm like, this is, this is cross process. This is not, this is high contrast. This is not, you know, so like everything was like, there was no consistency in my style at all. So I, so what in an album, like a whole, even an album. Yeah. I just didn't, I was just new, you know, like when you're new, like you try all these different things Mm -hmm. and you're like, Oh, I'm going to do this and whatever and consistency out the window. And I'm going to do this and that, you know, and uh, I kept on getting these emails back from them when I would submit these books. They're like, do you, they're like, are you, are you sure, sure you don't want us to, to, to auto correct or color correct this? And I'm like, no, man, it's good. I'm I an like, artist. Yeah, exactly. So I used to get so PO'd at them for for, for coming back with me. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'm like, no, don't change my colors. Like, I like my colors the way they are. I don't touch a damn thing, you know. Uh-huh. Um. So I and so I would have to always send them these emails. They would like put my order on hold. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I would have to like tell them no, don't do it. Even though I left the checkbox undone, undone unchecked originally. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So then what I would do is like imme- like when I would send in the album to begin with, I would yeah. I would like in large caps, do not color correct, do not put this, do m- not email do, me, do not put this order on hold. I like it the way that it is. Uh-huh. You, you know, even though now when I look back on myself at that time, I'm like. Yeah, they probably had a point. <laughs> they They're probably, probably just like, this had, rookie, yeah, they this probably newbie. had a point. So, so I'm sorry, Graphy Studio people. You were probably right, and now I think you're happy with with, with the albums that I sent you today. So, so, so if you're listening and uh, you know you're you're getting emails from your printer saying, "Are you sure?" Then you might want to sit back and think. You know, maybe you should. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, All right, good stuff. Uh, next topic here. Next topic. Uh, I, we got a comment, which you can comment too at WeddingPhotographersUnite.com on the episode, and the show notes are there. Uh, we got a comment from Mike regarding my my. I don't know if you picked up on you it. Know, scroll back up. I mean, that's a beautiful image, Scott. Yes, gave us. And look at that image. Scott's that a be- is that's yeah. a beautiful image. That's what happens when uh, you know your color yeah, management. Yeah. You, you you know your light. Yeah, you if take you're listening, photo go to our website, man. Check check out that image. Yeah, that's from a, uh, episode, episode 12. twelve. And there's an image there by Scott Sutherland. Yeah. Um, but uh, Mike Mike uh, just commented and he picked up on my five two three comments. So, <laughs> so I basically was in the middle and I was just being really like silly uh, at some point. I think because it was so heady, the episode, mm-hmm. the previous episode was just so heady in terms of like uh, like like my mind was just ready to you know. Uh, so I threw out this little like, and I don't shoot five D threes anymore. <laughs> when I was talking about the my my Nikon's, and so Mike asked like why that was, and I think like way earlier in one of the first episodes I touched on it, but just briefly. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to follow up a little bit on that and why I did switch from the five D threes to Nikon's, and I'm shooting D seven fifties right now. And and actually, um, in this episode coming up, uh, we're gonna have an interview with Sam Hurd. Uh, and yeah. Sam Hurd also shoots D750s, so uh, mm-hmm. this will kind of actually is a great topic to talk about today because that'll lead into our interview with Sam right. Hurd yeah, coming up great. in a bit. Um, uh, but uh, but the reason that I switched over to those D750s from the 5D3s, the main thing is, and actually there's an article that did it for me. So I would definitely suggest in the show notes for this episode, take a look at the article that I'm linking to. Um, it's an article by uh, the UK photographer um, that you know bought like the first uh, you know round of the D750s, or I don't know if Nikon uh, sent them to him or how how that worked. He might be a Nikon. Uh, what is it called? Uh, Master of Light ambassador or something like that. Ambassador. Or, yeah. yeah, he may be a Nikon ambassador. Yeah. I don't know, but he had a very early copy of the D750. 
And uh, he posted an amazing review on this camera, how it compared to the D4, the D4, um, and the D3S, because he was shooting D3S's prior to that. But the main thing is just how good the dynamic range on these Nikon cameras are. So if you look at that article, okay, and you scroll about halfway down, actually maybe, yes, about halfway down the article that we have linked in the show notes yeah, I love there. those before and afters. Look at what he does with an extreme sensor stop oh test at five stops under exposure, okay? Basically what he did, his name is Ross Harvey, took an image at 100 ISO, five stops under, okay? And, and the image is 100% totally just black. black. Like if I saw that while I was working a wedding, I would... I don't know what I would do. Yes. I would just, <laughs> yeah, so I would just like, okay, I'm done. The image is just black, people. Totally, you can barely make out anything yeah. in this image. Okay, so it's five stops under exposure at 100 ISO. The lower ISO that you're at, the better on, this, on, on these Nikon cameras for being able to do what he does. So mm -hmm. if you look at the very next image, after you, in post, in Lightroom, bring that back up five steps, five stops, then he, it looks like a perfectly exposed image. Yeah. I don't see any grain in this image at all. It is black magic wow. what, what these Nikon sensors can do, especially when you're at lower ISOs. As a matter of fact, yeah. I know this is what Sam Hurd does from, from, from going to his WPPI session, mm -hmm. so we definitely need to, to bring this up with That's him. Amazing. Actually, he's going to be uh, calling us pretty soon here. Um, but the point is um, that th these cameras, when you compare that to the 5D3, keep going down because he does the same test with the 5D3. Oh my gosh, look at that. Difference. 100 ISO. <laughs> it, yeah, and and I know this from shooting these 5D3s, right? So you, if you're underexposed on a 5D3, you try that same thing, being able to push the dynamic range on a 5D3. It is, it's grainy. There's banding. There's weirdness. There's, I mean, it just looks. It is night. And you know what? Day. That actually looks um, like something like my Nikon uh, D3S would do. Like, mm -hmm. but even the D3S is probably going to give better dynamic range um, than the, the Canons right now because yeah. the, the so yeah, would yeah. So I mean, this wow. this one article. If you're curious about why that switch was made, and I'll even say that I ergonomically, I actually like the Canons better. Still, maybe mm -hmm. it's because I started with them. But but I'm all about like I want to have the most information possible in my raw file when yeah, I come who home. Who wouldn't? And and to know that you can push these files like that. If um, whether you're and it's not just some like some people will say, oh, well, when are you going to underexpose an image by that much? And what do you really need that for? Just get the exposure. Right. It happens. Um, well, well, so number, number yeah. one, it does happen. But number two, that gives you more latitude to push and move things in post that that right now on the Canon cameras, you just cannot do. I mean, this is just it's just is the way that it is. I'm sorry. Um, and, uh, you know, as much as is, is all that goes i'm really hoping that you know canon kind of looks at this and and decides to do something about their dynamic range in their in the next update like 5d mark 4 if that even will be something that exists who who knows uh so uh basically uh that was the main reason but now you tested this yourself right yes. i mean once you got the, the first thing in, that i, I do mean, yeah you just didn't take this guy's word for no it. i did not and and i will tell you this too like i originally intended to shoot both canon and nikon mm -hmm. and did so for about half a wedding half ish a wedding season which was my slow season like you know i had my, yeah. my winter wedding season essentially i shot both canon and nikon but the first thing that i did when i came home is i did that test like i was like 100 iso five stops under 
black image on my 5d3 black image on my nikon mm-hmm. try to bring them up in post one looks like crap one looks great <laughs> i mean i mean that's i mean that's literally that's the, i mean that's it and so now what you can do with this and i think we'll we'll get talking about this a little bit in our interview here too but what you can do with this is if you shoot at a low enough um you know iso you will have more ability to do this this is why that test works well at 100 iso mm-hmm. when you get up to 600 800 at the higher up you go the less you're you're going to start to see some of that banding and some of those kinds of things yeah. that are going on mm-hmm. um uh, and and by the way too i don't mean to make canon shooters feel bad because you know one thing that i will say is if you're at a higher iso on a 5d3 and and this d750 mm-hmm. uh you as long as you're shooting and you're perfectly exposed and you don't plan on pushing blacks or you know moving an image much then it doesn't really matter so much because right. because the 5d3 high iso high iso performance is fantastic as as we know right it's this is more specifically to do with dynamic range and moving things and i will even say like Especially for like shooting at a reception, um, the uh, D750 when you push that at a reception where like because usually uh, you know I like nice bright images at a reception and like pushing things up and mm-hmm. uh, and and yeah you can throw flash in people's faces and you can do these <laughs> different things but if if you want the whole image to look good like right. you have this this latitude you definitely want to be able to play with at least that's for me the way that i edit you know mm-hmm. and just to finish this up um i did shoot this this the canon and the d750 for a while and i was shooting both cameras and then i'm just like when i kept going i'm like this d750 is so much nicer with the dynamic range mm-hmm. and the image quality that i'm getting i just made the decision to switch because i was spending so much more time in post dealing with the two separate camera bodies um, in general, the Nikon's will uh, the the white balance temperature will end up being a little bit more towards the green side, and the the Canons will be a little bit more towards the pink side. Right. Um, you know, but and it just ended up taking more time than it was worth. And it is nice having two bodies that are consistent mm-hmm. and they're the mm-hmm. same back and forth. So, so I hope that explains things a little bit more in terms of like why I did. I would say even more important than what I'm talking about right now is just look at that article and see for yourself. And that's insane. It, it's yeah. it's. Uh, it's it's true, and that's 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 all I can say about it. So but don't worry, not Canon shooters. Uh, Canon will uh, you know have have those capabilities in about two years probably. So, yep. so well, okay, okay, no, no, now that was a step too far, Neil. So, so, no, 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 no I'm, it is I'm, a game I'm kidding, of cat. It's a game of cat. Um, so no, it, it, you know. I, I just said that because I was shooting at sixty four hundred ISO like a couple years ago, and and once uh, once Canon uh, came out with. I don't, I don't know what body it was. Uh, it was like, I remember the day you, you started shooting at 6400 ISO on a Canon. Yes. You're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm it like, was. man, I've been doing that for two or three years now. Yeah, you know, you know what the joke <laughs> with, was? With my Nikon. But no, I'm, I'm just joking. I have, <laughs> I have love for all camera bodies out there. You know, so. No, but it's what my little joke was with that 5D3. Um, there's a photographer I'm friends with out an hour away in Rochester. Mm-hmm. And when we first got our 5D3s, I was shooting a wedding out in Rochester, and he was shooting in Buffalo. And then we were cro- we both had five new brand new five D threes crossing on the throughway in the middle of the night. And I was like, "Hey, you know, we should just shoot a 1200, 800 ISO, and we could take pictures of, e- of each other as we're driving by on, on the throughway." <laughs> and uh, you know, these cameras are so good with this high ISO. You know, and, I don't know. Sorry, that was I just just came back to me. <laughs> so anyway, the cameras are great, and I think we're gonna. Go on pause here and wait for Mr. Hurd's call here in just a bit. So cool. Uh, we'll be right back. 
Okay, everybody, we are back, and we are with Sam Hurd, Washington, D.C. wedding photographer. Sam, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Andy. It's great to uh, talk with you and Neil. Um, I'm currently in the the midst of crazy insane wedding season <laughs> yeah. six yeah, weddings deep you that know. was that was actually the part we're of our topic earlier in our conversation that. it's insanity right now so thank you so much yeah. for for taking a few minutes to, to come on and talk and speak with us today really appreciate it um it's my pleasure so okay so i wanted to talk a little bit about your background and just Sam heard the man like like how did you come into <laughs> photography what how does your background like lead into what you're doing today and then also just you know how does that influence your style of work and how you think and work as a as a photographer Okay yeah that's a pretty um broad thing to talk about <laughs> Yes it is yes it is I'll, I'll start at the beginning I guess <laughs> yeah. uh I got into photography just totally randomly with a friend of mine in high school you know we each got a hold of um what was in my first digital camera was like a floppy disk sony it was like <laughs> a digital sony camera that literally took a floppy disk <laughs> yeah yeah i and, actually know which one you're talking about you yeah. <laughs> and you know i've always been into technology and stuff like that so for me i think the real appealing part of photography wasn't actually taking pictures it was the the technology behind it. My next camera was another Sony and it was like, it had a um, lens that could swivel and pivot on the very uh, end of it. I mm. forgot what it was called, but it was incredible. And it had an EVF and it had live view built mm. right into it. But it was a very, very, you know, I don't know, six megapixels. I don't even know what size the sensor was. I'm sure it wasn't even micro four thirds, but um, I loved everything about the technology and then the computer side of it. And then, uh, you know, I kind of kept up with photography just as a hobby um, uh, through through college even. I actually majored in computer science in college. And uh, every summer, that same friend from high school, we went to different schools. So every summer we would try and do a trip, um, you know, backpacking in Europe or New Zealand or something like that for a few weeks just to, you know, reconnect and hang, hang out and really make photography the, the focus of the trips. So, um, you know, we would get together and, and do that. And then... Um, you know, he went and became a doctor. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, I randomly uh, was up interviewing for a job in, in the you know, tech industry, actually for a NASA contractor in the D.C. area. And that wow. same day, um, I had replied to a Craigslist ad for um, a job in downtown D.C. for this place called the National Press Club. So I, I drove down and, and interviewed uh, right after this, this NASA job uh, and ended up, they, they hired me. And I was their staff photographer for um, six years. And that was literally my first time uh, kind of uh, photographing actual people. Mm. Uh, up till then, it had always been that landscape type of work and just, you know, random street photography that I just kind of did whenever. And, um, yeah, I, j I jumped into that with the D750. And though I'd always been interested in the technology of photography, I didn't really know much about it. Like, I was literally still having to remind myself what, you know, a, an aperture w actually did mm -hmm. in the shot mm -hmm. and all this mm -hmm. stuff when I was, you know, now shooting every single day. So it was actually a really great um, kind of just hit the ground running type of environment and I didn't have a mentor or anything. I mean, the internet was my mentor. That's where I, yeah. you know, quickly started researching better lenses and cameras that um, would kind of work better. And the press club was a, a really actually challenging environment, but it was kind of the best thing for me at the time because I was totally at the mercy of the lights that were there and um, kind of sink or swim basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. And I started swimming pretty quickly. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. so Sam, when I, when I look at your work, uh, 
I hope this this is okay to say, and this is, but I look at your work and it seems to me like it's a big, the way that you approach your your work is like it's a big experiment for you. You, you know what I mean? Like where where you're trying these different techniques and these different things that are outside of the box, and and there's that sense of experimentation that that I feel like you keep pushing and keep pushing, like on something new, something new, something new, where a lot, a lot of newer photographers have that thing where they experiment and they play and they try new things, but then after a while, it seems like most people kind of fall in line. You know what I mean? To, to like the abs, to yep. like the the normal, like this is what wedding photography is. Um, so can you just talk about like what goes through your mind and how you keep pushing yourself and just some thoughts on what I'm, what I'm getting into here from that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I definitely have to catch myself sometimes cause I've been doing weddings now for like almost six years and, um, you know, shooting constantly for seven or eight now. And, um, it, it is tough to just kind of like reset and, and start approaching things from a different angle, especially for me when it comes to posing. Like, I have to work to kind of break out of the what I know to be flattering mm, poses yeah. and, and, and like cues and situations where clients are definitely going to laugh. Like, it's you know those take a long time to develop, so it's really hard once you know your rhythm mm -hmm. to, to to like diverge from that at all. Yeah, totally. Um, so totally. I still I still have to kind of remind myself, but um, uh, for me, uh, it's it's always been i think an advantage to have never been like formally trained in photography because mm -hmm, i feel mm -hmm. like i don't have any defined kind of box that i'm working in of like this is how you need to do certain things and then you can experiment like or or you know do your own thing from there i i don't have any starting point or box that's kind of defining that for me i think what i found was the key you know maybe two and a half three years into shooting weddings or portraits specifically was developing really good um, kind of gut instincts and intuition mm -hmm. about uh, that decisive moment in a shot and, and what um, people want from it, but um, no real uh, knowledge beyond that in terms of like uh, what's right or what's wrong in a yeah. photo. Like so now, but so let me ask you then, like have you yourself, have you Sam heard, you know, defined like what's right and what's wrong to you? You know what I mean? Like when you're shooting, do you have a new set of rules for yourself? <laughs> you know what I mean? That you're kind of following or do, or when you see yourself find those rules, do you try and like get outside of them? I don't know. Do you, well, I mean, I, that's a constant evolution. I think I would say now, like what I'm most aware of this year are um, certain basic things that like I never really paid attention to that I didn't really quantify in like a tangible way. Like um, I tend to not uh, crop people at the joints and mm -hmm. things where like mm -hmm. you're suddenly amputating them in a really awkward yes, way. Yeah. I, I, I kind of always didn't do that, but now I consciously think like, okay, I, I need to not uh, crop at the joints because it's consistently and always distracting and a problem. Yes, or yeah. um, for me, uh, I've been paying even more so than that attention to um, just evenly lighting people in ways that are most flattering mm -hmm. um, and uh, really working in, uh, with the light to make it, um, I guess just be more efficient, right? So mm -hmm. it, it used to be that I would take four hours in an engagement session and it'd be really awesome and really fun. And I would deliver hundred images. Now I can shoot in an hour and a half or less and still get that same hundred images because I've gotten better and like not needing as much of people's time mm -hmm. to, uh, to get to a place that I'm happy with the way people are lit or the way that they're, um, you know, composed and cropped in a shot. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Okay, so um, 
what the couple things you know i saw your uh presentation your your session down at uh down in las vegas at wppi and awesome. what was very cool for me is i actually just switched over to shooting d750s myself and uh what i hadn't been doing uh until i saw your presentation is shooting very much in live view um, you know, I feel like, <laughs> like live view to me, like it felt dirty, you know what I mean? To shoot, yep. to shoot in live view. Uh, but then yep. I started to like, after your presentation, I started to shoot and I shot, I shot a few weddings and it's amazing. It's absolutely yes. incredible. And why wouldn't I, you know, like that's, that's kind of the mentality that I have now. It's like when I need to, or when you need to see that light, but can you talk just a little bit about that? Like how, you know, did you always shoot in live view? I think you mentioned that one Sony you just said did. So, so maybe you always did. But but is that can you t- just talk about using live view and how you utilize that uh, to your advantage? Uh, as, yeah, as, as a photographer, there, there are endless things I could talk about with live view. Um, but I no, I, I didn't always I made mean, my first kind of real camera was the Nikon D 300 and then D 700. And that live view was, was it had it, but it was horrible, not usable. The first camera, I would say it was actually functionally like really great and responsive was the D four and then d4s and and everything they put out since those um and exactly uh there's this weird i mean you kind of nailed it there's this weird kind of like resistance to it where mm-hmm. i think photographers feel like it's you look kind of ridiculous yeah. and you look like an amateur <laughs> yeah, like and you know, I, oh, I felt so weird doing it like the yeah. first few but i was like it works man it absolutely it just works you can see it's, what you're gonna do because you can't always know exactly what it's gonna what's gonna look like you can ballpark it in your head but right to actually see it, right? Isn't that what you're? And and what's the? I mean, what's the problem with? I mean, you're, you're with with seeing it right. before you even take the image. I mean, it does make it almost too easy. But that that means you can focus on other details and other other things that you know you can kind of tweak that maybe you wouldn't have paid attention to before because you were so worried about whether or not the flare was in the right spot yeah, or something like that. Especially right? for that kind of shot. Yeah. It opened yeah. up a, a an entire whole new um, like way of shooting for me, especially at night and working with flares and reflections and all these kind of interactions with my environment that when you're shooting with just a viewfinder, it's pure guesswork and it's impossible to get back. It's nearly impossible to get back to where you were if you have to take the camera down and hit play and review or anything like that. So, I mean, I totally understand the nostalgia and like the purity of shooting kind of like, you know, like a rangefinder style or just mm-hmm. with regular viewfinder. But first of all, the technology is evolving. I don't know if you shot much with any of the new Sony cameras, but they only have EVF. Yeah, well, I, was, yeah I was just going to mention inside, that. Right, yeah. the, inside the actual viewfinder. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and that is, I mean, that's where the technology is headed. Like, every camera will have that eventually. Um, I mean, the iPhone has that too. I mean, it's just the, you might as, the sooner you accept it and get good at that and start working on other parts of your photography to like get better at, like the, the more ahead of the curve you'll be. And secondly, it's not that much different than kind of the medium format shooters back in the day when they had these big giant screens, you know, they would look down and shoot 90 degrees, um, like I, it's not unusual for me to take my D750 out and pop the screen out so that it's horizontal mm-hmm. and I'm just shooting 90 degrees from my waist, kind of like an old, um, oh, okay. you know, um, Mamiya or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they had in those cameras because in the old film cameras, the, 
the viewing screen was large enough that it, it had a true and accurate representation of the bokeh and everything. Not the exposure, but the actual bokeh and any other interactions. You saw it. So it's not that different than that if you're really wanting to think about, like, you know, if it's even that new of a thing or if it's right or wrong. And people have kind of been shooting that way all along. But um, yeah, it's it's revolutionized my work in a lot of ways. And it, it's a little awkward, actually, especially starting out because you do give up. The autofocus in the live view world is is, is not good right. and it's not there. And you do give up a little yep. bit of like, response time and, and quickness with responding to, uh, you know, certain expressions or moments as they come up as you're shooting. Mm. But um, that's why it's important to like practice at it like crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I have noticed as I've been doing the live view, just, I decide to focus in manual because then you, then you actually exactly. know where it is. And especially for shooting shallow, um, then it's, uh, it ends up being necessary. And, so, and in that way, it actually kind of makes you a little more deliberate and thorough in your thought process with each photo that you take. So in my opinion, the argument can be made that it actually makes you a much better and stronger photographer. So, um, than, than if you're just trying to shoot through the viewfinder. And so then, now you guys wow. are doing this all, yeah. all day, all throughout a wedding, or is it just during certain moments? I've gotten to the point where even if I'm shooting and I need autofocus, right. And I have to shoot through the viewfinder. I will, I will generally get my exposure and white balance in, in live view just to check okay. it mm -hmm. just because why not? Yeah. And then, and then turn it off and just shoot kind of, old school or something mm, like that's that. actually very interesting you huh. say that because i actually had just huh. been doing the same thing i'm like because I've, I've played on this for a few weddings now and and um and but just doing that because why wouldn't you check it first know what it's going to look like and then you can go into manual and shoot inside inside the viewfinder it's it's really it's something listeners check that out it's it's amazing uh to get get past that uh that dirty feeling of live view for whatever yeah. reason that, that it, that's been, it's, it's silly. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's just kind of this conditioned, like instilled subconscious thing that people immediately resist. And, uh, I'm glad, you know, I, I teach workshops a lot and I'm glad that nine times out of 10, you know, I asked, does anybody shoot live view? And like, like nine out of 10 people say no. And I'm just like, wow, this is great. I feel like I really have something to share and like mm -hmm. open people's mm -hmm. eyes to mm -hmm. because, um, you know, like it or not, it is the future, and it's and it's. Uh, so that actually, Sam, <laughs> leads directly into my next question. And if you want to get philosophical about this, please feel free to. So my question is this: <laughs> What is, you know, knowing talking about this live view and live view and camera, all this stuff? What is the future of wedding photography? You know what I mean? When you start thinking about where this will go and how this will impact, maybe even photography or wedding photography in general, does anything come to mind? Like when you think. A few years down the road, <laughs> this kind of well, thing. Well, talk to me a little bit about that. That's, that's super hard. For, for me personally, I tend to always try and zig where others zag. Um, so for me right now, and even for the past maybe season or two, I've really refrained from kind of saying I'm a storyteller, even though you know I guess I am for the majority of the day, but I really present myself as like a portrait photographer. So I try and really emphasize that in my work and that's totally different than everybody else in the wedding industry who's like a storyteller storyteller photojournalistic like here's some portraits too they're really pretty but i'm a storyteller like i try and um i'm just trying to do something different right so in in five years who knows maybe i'll go back and everybody else is trying to present themselves as portraits and, and i'll be a storyteller then i don't know but uh, <laughs> as, as far as my my workflow and all that i really can envision a time where and again, this is this uncomfortable thing that I think a lot of photographers are, are just, they hate and cringe at the idea of mm -hmm. it, but where 
as a photographer, you don't actually really take still images anymore. You take video mm-hmm. uh, of of either, even if it's like three or four second. Oh, we're so clips. on the same page. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, and and you hear no shutter. It's just silent, like capturing full res, you know, raw imagery, raw files that um, you then go back and curate the still images from. Um, and I see that already there's a camera, the Sony A7S. It's got a mode on there that's completely silent, and that's literally all it does is take screen grabs of the video feed, essentially, and gives you 12-megapixel raw files to, um, to you know, edit as you would a normal still image. And, um, and that's it. Like, it's this complete convergence of, like, video and, and still, like, coming together. But I don't think that still imagery like as a standalone product will ever really go away mm-hmm. because i think if nothing else these days people love and desire more instant gratification than ever before and a still image does that better than a video ever will like video you have to consciously sit down and absorb and put time aside and like watch it even if it's a minute or two a still image you get instant gratification mm-hmm. and i think there's um if nothing else the case that that's becoming more and more valuable so i don't know that the the value of a still image or collection of still photos will ever go away but i think the process of getting those is going to be more like you're just a videographer taking you know, screen grabs from it. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. So. I, I actually, I tend to, th- to think so too. And it's just a matter of time before, you know, the 5D4, the next, you know, the, the D5 or whatever it is, you know, has this capability to pull raw images from, from video that are at the quality without the motion blur. You know, yep. once that happens, the, the entire, everything changes, I feel like at that point, And yep. we're just mm-hmm. on that point where that's going to turn over. And I think when that, that, that happens, I think a lot of people are going to be shocked. Um, with Although I will say, um, I do wonder if it, if it will ever really catch on, though, because I have noticed in the weddings that I did shoot heavily with the A7S, and it was basically just taking video like that, um, and, and I would grab the screen, I would end up with like ten thousand images that you know suddenly I have to go through. Right. <laughs> and yeah. It's like, and then, oh and- my god. <laughs> Yeah, and that's, you know, people would talk about the fusion thing that, you know, everybody's going to do both. And, and you know, it, even if that does happen in this respect or that respect, people are still going to have to put in the time that it takes to edit all that video and yeah. photography. Mm-hmm. So it's like that just means prices have to go up, you know, amongst both because you're still providing both of those services. So yeah. it'll be interesting um, to see what, what happens there. So, um yeah. Sam, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today and, uh, and and jumping on our podcast and saying hello. It was, uh, it was fantastic yeah, it was having pleasure. you on. Where can people <laughs> uh, where can people find you? And actually, uh, one one other thing, if you just want to talk a little bit about your upcoming project uh, that that you mentioned to me, yeah, uh, um, I'm in the midst of kind of an overhaul with my my website and branding, and as part of that. Um, uh, because I'm a horrible blogger in terms of like writing detailed like, <laughs> posts yeah. and really being able to like resonate with people via text, I'm not a writer at yeah, all. That's I'm why, starting... Hey, hey th- yeah. this podcast right here, that's why it happens. By the way. I <laughs> exactly. cannot write a blog post to save my life, but I can talk. I can talk yep. at you, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> that is exactly, I'm, I'm launching my own podcast. Um, hopefully very soon it'll be called, uh, simply the epic podcast um, <laughs> nice. and uh, it's me and my good friend Nathan Mitchell he's another DC wedding photographer and a uh, longtime friend and bandmate of mine um, we play in a band together uh, so um, but you can find that at samherdphotography.com that's h-u-r-d and um, 
yeah, probably hopefully in the next couple months that'll launch. So, you know, um, that's yeah. excellent. And if you ever, if you guys are ever up for collaborating, you know, on an episode here yeah, and there, just yeah. uh, let us know and we can uh, we can join Buffalo and Washington D.C. together for some wedding photography talk. You know, so, yeah, fantastic. Um, all right, <laughs> Sam, thank you so much for joining in, especially in the middle of uh, crazy wedding season like this. And uh, I'm getting ready to head out to a shoot right now. So <laughs> cool. okay, all right. Thanks so much, Sam. You have a thanks, good one. Sam. Yep. All right. Take thanks. care. All right, bye. Yep. Okay, that was our interview with uh, Washington, D.C.-based wedding photographer Sam Hurd. Uh, really uh, fantastic guest and awesome yeah, to have him on. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, okay, Neil, we were um, one of the topics for today's show came, came about from you just looking at Sam Hurd's website. <laughs> right, I was just <laughs> looking over. Let's call him back up. Hurry up, get him back online. <laughs> but no, I was just kind of checking over his website and, and his Frequently Asked Questions page. Um, it says that he offers a discount for unplugged weddings. And I, I don't know if he's joking on that or if he's serious, but uh, I think it's very interesting because, uh, you know, we all, as wedding photographers, we're all having problems with, you know, these cell phones, iPads sticking out in the aisle and stuff yeah. like that. But I, I'm, I'm kind of noticing beyond that, it's getting, it's getting out of control of people constantly, not only taking pictures of the bride and groom, but more taking pictures of themselves. It's, it's almost... It's very hard for me to take pictures of the guests enjoying themselves when they're constantly taking pictures of themselves. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I know. I, I know. Uh, what a, it, uh, last year, you know, it was. I, I just thought it was one of those things where you know this will this will pass over. But a um, couple weddings ago, it was it was out of control. I mean, every picture I took of a guest, it was they had the camera on themselves. I was I was just sitting there just watching them. I'm like, this is. This is crazy to me. I mean, you have you have a professional photographer <laughs> sitting right here, and yeah. but yet you're you're you know going for this um this you know this bad looking. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they're in bad light. I just want to take the camera over, but I was I, I just watched them and took pictures of themselves. But anyway, I, that was that one wedding is where it was more of like a younger wedding. Yeah. I was like, okay, maybe this is you know the, they're they're just young and kind of things. So then this past, this past wedding, you know, it was an older crowd and the selfies were probably three times as worse as the past wedding. Um, I literally have hundreds of images of their guests just taking pictures of themselves. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and that's, it's becoming, I mean, that's my new, that's my new obstacle of taking pictures of people without cell phones in their hands. Yeah, it's a challenge. Um, it's it, a challenge. It, it, it really is. Um, and they have selfie sticks now. I mean, they, they literally have... They make. I don't know if it's just me, but no, it they is literally everybody. make accessories no, to take pictures it, it, it of yourself. It gets worse and worse every single wedding. It, 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 every it really single does. wedding has gotten yeah. worse for me this season. And, uh, and the bride and groom, they had a selfie stick all day. It's like, mm -hmm. why am I even here? But yeah. I, I, I knew they they want you know professional shots, sure, sure. but they're also getting professional images of them taking pictures of themselves and yeah. um it's, you know it's baffling it is, me it I'm, I'm not a selfie yeah. guy so I, I maybe i just don't get it maybe i'm maybe i'm getting old <laughs> i don't know yeah no i mean i think it is what it is it's just the way our society is today and uh but at the same time you know i think that is an option you know more people are doing i think what sam is doing which is just hey you know like unplugged wedding discount it's easier to shoot this yeah. this kind of wedding not only is it easier to shoot you're going to get better images mm -hmm. you know from without all these cameras and tripods in the way but a lot um, of these brides they're making hashtags for their own weddings so that's kind of um feeding you know fueling the fire kind of thing right you know it's yeah there's different approaches you know. so but i'm with you and you know honestly the other thing for me too along those lines that has been just been worse and worse this year and i'm totally like fine with it and i can work with anybody but every single wedding i've had this year 
it seems like I get these some of these videographers that are just like it just gets worse and worse like and in terms of like trying to direct them like like you know you want to be nice and you want to you want to have a good working relationship mm -hmm. and I really do try to, to do that and I have and I always have and I don't think anybody that I've worked with you know this year would have anything bad to say and I don't necessarily have anything terrible to say but I do have some things to say that I wouldn't necessarily tell them on the day because I want right. to continue to work through mm -hmm. and some of those things are just like you know where there's tripods and in, in places that they shouldn't be or or I had this one guy, you know, like as the bride and groom were like going to come out and make their exit of the church where I'm like all set up to do that. Mm -hmm. And then he is going to like talk them through how to do that as he's backing up into uh, me. Yeah. And I had to like move him to the side. I'm like, no, dude, yeah. like that's not, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's for me, it's gotten like to the point where it's like, if it was like, like it seemed like the last few years I had videographers like one every three weddings, but it's like is this year every single one. <laughs> and like and like some people are like very easy to work with. Like I have good mm -hmm. working relationships with some people, but it just seems that like, that like couples are going with like lower priced people that right. like don't are they like new or don't know what they're doing or it's like a brother or cousin th this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And then and then it's like it's just made it so difficult to shoot and 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 keep the peace so to speak mm -hmm. although i've never had one problem I, I mean to say that but it's just it's become very difficult and it's and i'm getting more and more frustrated and i'm trying to be i'm trying to be cool brother you know what i mean i'm trying <laughs> yeah. to, what is uh what did neil van be Eker cool say? baby be, be cool. cool baby be cool <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be cool baby you know um well, but I'm, gl I'm glad you mentioned that because we are going to have a guest who's a videographer uh we're just trying to get that scheduled yeah uh, but yeah we're, we're gonna get his take on it and everything no that's good so. and and i always you know Honestly, like, and, and the other thing too is I had a couple, and I'm just going to say it because it's the reality of what happened. I had a couple mm -hmm. people that were shooting um, recently, videographers at two weddings in a row. Okay, two weddings in a row, they ran out of room on their SD cards. Different people, different, and, I, and I'm like, and I like say, I literally saved the day for two weddings in a row. Yeah. I mean, if it was just one, that's crazy. But two, literally two weddings in a row, two weeks two weeks in a row, I had videographers sending me back my SD cards to my studio because because they ran out of space. Wow. One of them was at that Indian wedding I mentioned because okay. they, uh, I think I can say that, whatever. Nobody's listening to this thing. <laughs> you know, but, it, but they just weren't prepared for like how long those kinds of weddings go and everything. Mm -hmm. and And it's just like... Like, oh my God, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like have enough room for, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sorry. I I, 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 I'm totally fine with working with professional, you know, with professionals. Like, mm -hmm. you know, our guys, I'm sure are going to be professional. There's a couple groups. I have a very good friend in town that, that does this and I, you know, we work very well and I'm, and I'm totally willing to go back and forth on shots with people right. when the time exists. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and, but it's just when, uh oh man <laughs> this this for me like um this this has been getting me so frustrated this season um yeah. and and it's and it just is what it is and and we'll work what we can work but uh and I don't uh, mean to end the show on rants but yeah. uh, uh another problem I'm having is you know people shooting over my shoulder it's not other photographers it's the guests I was just mentioned to you off the air that uh already online i saw one of my brides that you know she got tagged in a picture and it literally looked like one of my images and i thought i was like oh my gosh did someone hack into my system and take one of my proofs i was like what what's going on here yeah. and, and yeah. but a bridesmaid she shot over my shoulder i don't even remember her being in the room and it's this beautiful portrait set up in beautiful lighting and it was a beautiful pose and everything and this was this could have been like my first teaser for the bride but she already saw like a cheap cell phone version it's like 
there, there goes like my surprise. Like, like, yeah. you know, she, so she got like a cheap version of it. It's, it's like, Oh gosh, it's, so annoying. Yeah, you know what? Where did I, I, I like? Where's <laughs> I just want to throw some wow factor to my, like really impress my clients, but yeah. now they're just getting like these little cheap versions because there are yeah that and that's you know? the, the the thing, man. It's like and I, I heard some photographer talking recently. I forget who. I'm sorry, I can't credit whoever this was, but they were basically just mentioning that like our jobs now, like it used to be that you would take a photo. Actually, I know who it was. It was uh, a Nikon guy. Um, Cliff, Cliff Mottner. Oh, okay. I don't know where I was listening to him, uh, but I was listening to him recently. Did I see him in person? I don't know. <laughs> I was listening to him recently, and he was just talking about how before in the old days, it just used to be that you you could wow people because you know it was mystical, like what we did with cameras, yeah, and then yeah. and then they would get the images, and nobody had seen that image before. Now people have seen twenty different images of that of that look. Before mm-hmm. they before they see ours, so it's like our job now is to like before if we could just wow them with the image itself. Now we have to wow them with like quality stuff in order for them to like really see the difference. And even so, it's still diluted. You know, right. like like it still ends up being diluted because people have seen that look with that person in that dress in that location, mm-hmm. however many times. You know, so yeah. so it's our job to either. Um, step you know, up our game. Yeah, step up our game, number yeah. one, in terms of the quality of the work that we deliver so it does drop jaws. But then also just, you know, I think what Sam, you know, with Sam Hurd, what we were talking about if on his, if he does the unplugged wedding discount, mm-hmm. like then that's just another idea that, that it wins. It works for the couple. It works for the photographer. It works for everybody yeah. that way. And, no, and, I and never, the people enjoying it. The, right. You know, the, 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 the people that are there that are actually there to celebrate the day. You they, know? Don't um, they don't, they don't yeah, get it. They don't get it. I know. No, I no. know. <laughs> But, but anyway, it's a struggle. Yeah, it, it is, it's um, a continuing struggle. Yeah, uh, I mean, continue. I never think about giving discounts ever. I mean, that's just not part of my business. But once I saw that, you know, if Sam Hurd can do it, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> maybe I can too. Yeah. But I mean, only only for that. If that's going to make my images look better, and you know, but yeah. but when I bring that up, and then these brides have these hashtags, it's going to be, I mean, yeah. that defeats the whole purpose. And that's okay. And, you know, part of our job, you know, in today's world is to be flexible in the situation that we're in. So I even say this when I'm shooting a wedding. The only thing that I'm capable of doing when I'm shooting a wedding mm-hmm. is doing the best that I possibly can in the provided situation. Yeah. Sometimes you're in a provided situation that is five videographers in front of you, people with selfie sticks all over the place. <laughs> you have nowhere to go. Everybody in the brother has a camera and you need to step over everybody. Yeah. And in that situation, you do the best that you can in the that's provided it. situation. And that's just what it is. Um, but we can do the best that we can to minimize those things by con- by communicating with mm-hmm. our with our bride and groom, and at least um, bringing up the idea of what can have them, you know, have the most uh, beautiful wedding day, you know, right. that can be captured uh, mm-hmm. for them at the end of the day. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with that, sorry. everybody. Sorry, I just had to get that off. No, I think I, did, I think I did too. <laughs> so I think we both needed to get some stuff. So I hope that wasn't this negative. This podcast or is like turning into <laughs> therapy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> totally is. Um, so with that, everybody, uh, please do remember that you can write into info at weddingphotographersunite.com with any questions, comments, thoughts, and work, and you know, help us help you. We'd prefer to talk with you rather than at you. Mm-hmm. And um, also, please, 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 if you get anything out of this podcast if you're enjoying it if it's help um you know building up your your drive to become a passionate wedding photographer then please do leave us a review at on itunes go to itunes subscribe there review there give us um give us some love yes and please. and please, then please, please. and then that's what helps other people find out about the show yeah. um uh, neil where can people follow you 
Neil Urban, just Google that <laughs> just name. Go- just Google it. <laughs> N-E-A-L. Okay, yeah. N-E-A-L. N-E- Actually, you know what? I'm going to do a little test. I'm going to just throw this out there. Follow me on Instagram. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm just gonna do a little test, see what happens. And is that just you know, at if, Neil Urban on Instagram? At Neil Urban, yeah. Okay. I just, uh, you, you know, about Instagram, I've like these different, like, uh, I don't know, like with Facebook, it's more like, like professional, and then Instagram, it's a little bit more personal, somewhat mm-hmm. professional. Mm-hmm. So follow me on Instagram. I don't yeah. know. I'm just gonna throw follow that out Neil there. this week. Instagram just follow me on Instagram, and uh, you can follow me by just googling my name, Andy Buscemi, B U S C E M I. Um, and follow me on Instagram too. I mean, you want to know why? Because I actually need to start using Instagram a little bit more. Oh, okay. That's actually yeah, the yeah. next social media thing that I need to, to, to use. Yeah, a little sometimes bit more. I just forget about it. Um, but. Yeah, me too. Because Facebook is really how I get my business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what I put most, most of my attention on. But social. Oh, but, but what I did, I put the icon on my main screen on my iPhone, so I don't forget about it. As okay, much. yeah, that's good. <laughs> All right, everybody. So thank you so much for for joining us and unite everybody. Yes. Wedding photographers. Thank you for listening in. Thank you, Sam Hurd, for being on our podcast. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Neil Urban, for being here. Oh, thank you, Andy. And episode 13, goodbye to you as well. (laughs) Take care. Wedding photographers. Unite.